listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, and welcome back to part two of our interview with drummer and band leader, Michael Berkowitz. Speaking about music of this kind of ilk, yeah. calls to mind Jerry Herman. Jerry Herman, for those who don't know, a great composer in his own right, Broadway composer, very, very famous in that milieu. Some people may not know his name, but in terms of Broadway, he's a household name. Or he was. He died, what, a, a year ago or something like that? Yeah, it, I think it's almost a year ago now, yeah. Well, you participated in a tribute to him on Broadway, right? Yeah, February 3rd this year uh, at the Lunt Fontaine. Uh, I was asked to contract the, uh, the orchestra and play drums, and we had a fantastic all-star orchestra. Who, who was in it? Oh, as, as you know, all the Broadway kind of guys. Broadway guys. Yeah, it was all the Broadway cats. And uh, some, you know, Nick Marcione, who plays with the Thad and Mel's band, or Mel's mm-hmm. band, or the, the Vanguard band. I don't know why. It'll always be Thad and Mel's band to me, but he's, <laughs> it's the Vanguard band. He played lead trumpet. And uh, Jennifer Wharton was on trombone. And uh, Mike Davis played uh, trombone. Uh, Chad Smith was on saxophone. Um, Dan Willis, Ben Kono. Uh, you know, it was, it was Ted Firth played piano. Uh, it was it was a pretty pretty swinging kind of group. Ed uh, Ed Shea played percussion. I played <laughs> drums, and uh, you know we had a ball. And uh, you know on the show, uh, everybody from uh, you know all all the Broadway stalwarts. You know Bernadette Peters and Marilyn May, and you know you name it. Anybody who had done any any kind of uh, stuff with. Uh, Betty Buckley was there, and and uh, wow. Leroy Reams, and all kinds of folks, and it was it was a marvelous concert and uh, tribute to uh, to Jerry. I'm I'm thrilled that I got a chance to do it, and uh, my friend Larry Blank conducted it, and then Don Pippen, who had worked on Broadway for so many years as Jerry Herman's conductor and uh, vocal arranger. Well, he did you know Mame and and mm-hmm. uh, all of those shows. He also did Chorus Line. And so many shows, but he came and conducted the uh, Mame. We had a huge chorus, and uh, Ron Rain sang it, and it was it was just fantastic. So, Did you know Jerry? Had you met him? Yeah, I, I met him. Uh, I had done uh, a, a number of things with him and recording and and whatnot, and uh, he was uh, just a very nice guy. That's fascinating too. I mean, you, you worked with a lot of luminaries, jazz, and also pop. So moving on to pop a little bit, you mentioned Helen Reddy a little while ago. I know you'd you'd done some work with her. How did that come about? I had a friend, Tom Hensley, a uh, pianist. Um, he ended up working for forty years as uh, Neil Diamond's pianist. So uh, he'd spent had a great career doing that. In, in addition to a lot of uh, studio work and other things. Anyhow, Tom was from Indianapolis. He left Indianapolis a year before I did, and uh, moved to L.A. And he was working with Helen. I moved to L.A. Uh, in 1971, in June, we hung out with Tom the first night we got there, and he took us over to meet Helen. So I, uh, I met Helen the first night I was there. She had a drummer at that time named Larry Brown. Larry Brown is a fantastic drummer. Used to do a lot of work in town. Still, is is around, and is also very well known as a producer, recording engineer, and builder of uh, recording studios. But a fabulous drummer in the kind of Hal Blaine vibe you know and, mm-hmm. and that, that style and uh, great sound i took that gig over from that but larry was very important in that larry subsequently uh, gave my name to any number of people so i look at larry as larry drew me to helen helen gave me 
Nelson Riddle, which you know I worked with for many, many years and has been a legacy of mine my entire life now. But Larry also uh, gave my name to the Civic Light Opera of Los Angeles when they needed a drummer, they had called him. So I started doing Broadway musicals at uh, the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion with the Los Angeles Civic Light Opera. I did Wonderful Town and I don't know, Camelot and you know all these shows, and I met any number of people. I worked with uh, all kinds of folks there, and that's where I met Paul Gemignani, and Paul Gemignani and I went on to work on Broadway together and do things like the Follies concert with the, the uh, New York Philharmonic in 1985, and I'm the drummer on that, and uh, Favorite Ladies of Broadway, you know, my favorite, I don't know, all these kind of PBS shows we used to do. So Paul, and Paul is, of course, Sondheim's guy. Larry Brown, I think, led me to all of these things through his introductions. Getting back to Helen Reddy. So we worked with Helen for, uh, I was with Helen for about three years. I would say basically during the, the hot time that, uh, you know, her first uh, hit was I Don't Know How to Love Him. People at that point didn't know who she was as well as they found out later. And uh, we did a lot of uh, colleges and whatnot uh, with people thinking she was kind of a religious singer. She was not at all. So we'd, we'd come into town, four scruffy guys in this band, you know, and, and do <laughs> pretty much a rock and roll show. But uh, Helen was uh, was great. Her husband, Jeff Wald, is uh, infamous, but, uh, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Helen died, you know, just a couple... In September. Couple, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, 78 years old, yeah, unfortunately. And, and uh, you know, it had some dementia issues yeah. over the last few years. There was a lovely tribute, uh, a Zoom tribute, obviously, uh, since we couldn't all go in person. Her son, Jordan, and her uh, daughter, Tracy, who I, I'm friends with, uh, did this fantastic Zoom call that I was part of. I was, I was thrilled to be a part of that. After Helen, I worked with the association, uh, who you may or may not remember, oh, Cherish, and Along do. Comes Mary, and all of that. Yeah. Uh, worked with Mac Davis, who died the same day as Helen. I didn't know that. Was, I didn't know you worked with him. Yeah. I didn't know he died in yeah. September. Uh, Love Mac Davis. Really weird. I worked with uh, Seals and Crofts, all kinds of uh, you know folks like that in that kind of world. So it was kind of cool. You know, I didn't learn this from uh, doing research on your career or anything. I kind of heard through the grapevine, you can confirm or deny, but I heard that you worked as a pit drummer at the Academy Awards once Yeah, or I twice. did the Academy Awards in 1989. In 89? Yeah, with uh, Marvin Hamlish was the conductor. That was the famous or infamous year that Alan Carr was the producer, and they started out with the Snow White sketch. Oh, and, Rob and Lowe. Rob Lowe, and Ooh, I was in the pit for all of that. Oh, my gosh. And so, uh, you know, I'm thrilled to have done the Academy Awards, It's but what a year to have done the Academy the Oh, Academy my gosh. Awards. Did you get to go to parties and stuff? Yeah, and... there was some stuff. You know, I've still got uh, some of the swag. Oh, that's but, cool. But, uh, you know, I stayed for two weeks out there before, and we stayed at the Chateau Marmont. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, I did the whole thing. Mm. I mean, I, I consider L.A. my home, but, you know, I just had a ball. I great, mean, everywhere great. you look, there's wall-to-wall -wall movie stars, you yeah, know. But, you know, a great band, uh, you know, this, the Academy Awards, it was major. I mean, that that's amazing. I, I'm a huge film buff myself, so yeah. something like that is, that's hugely impressive, the Academy Awards. I geek out every year at the Academy Awards. Who knows what's going to happen this year? Right. Nobody knows whether they'll even yeah. be the awards or not. But, uh, they'll, they'll do something. Yeah. Uh, that That's amazing. The Oscars. You got to drum at the Oscars. Anyway, you do so many different things. One thing that you did, you touched on a little bit earlier, is conducting. Uh, you are the conductor of the Santa Rosa Orchestra in California, yet you live in Newburgh. 
<laughs> well, well, wait, Boomtown. Wait, no, what do, what do you Baumville, call it? Yes, correct. <laughs> Baumville. Well, you know, Boomtown. Yeah. Marvin Hamlish made me a conductor. Everybody was throwing conducting at me in this strange way for years. Uh, I would show up on uh, gigs, and uh, you know, I'd have to somehow conduct something because the guy couldn't be seen or who was supposed to do it or something like that. So I became a kind of amateur conductor, and then finally I got into it. Larry Blank who I mentioned earlier, who's a marvelous conductor, uh, gave me some instruction and some books to, to look at and whatnot. And so I got into it. I started working with Marvin Hamlish. Larry brought me on to that job as the drummer, and Larry couldn't do a job two weeks later uh, that needed to be conducted. So then I became the conductor, and then Larry and I had a, a slight bit of falling out after that, as I always felt terrible about. We're best friends again all these Good. years later. I became Marvin's conductor, and, and over time I conducted basically, you know, we played every symphony orchestra in the country. So I was able to conduct just about everywhere, and we did the London Symphony twice hmm. and, and things like that. So I became, you know, a conductor of uh, pops and then decided to do some on my own and, uh, you know, have successfully done that over the last, God, 30 years, I guess, you know, conducted everywhere. And uh, I've had various, you know, orchestras where I've been the principal pops conductor. I've been in Santa Rosa now for 15 years. It's a lot of fun. We've got a good orchestra. How do you do that from well, this area? I mean, uh, a lot of flying, obviously. Just, I just get on a plane and go. I send my music out. I have a huge music library, and we create the programs with uh, the executive director, Alan Silo, and myself in the theater. Uh, we agree on a program for the season, and... Then we put the music together, and I send it out, you know, about a month ahead of time. We rehearse uh, for three and a half hours, do the concert, and I take the red eye home. Hmm. That's pretty much what we do. How did you learn to conduct? Well, as I said, you know, I was uh, kind of forced to at various times. Yeah. I mean, Nelson couldn't, towards the end of his life, uh, he did an album called Blue Skies with the opera singer Kiri Takanawa. He couldn't do the... uh, record uh, promo debut in, in New York, so I ended up conducting that. And, you know, as I said, people just kept throwing things at me. But, you know, Marvin Ham- Hamlish made me a conductor, and uh, I thank him for that. You wear many hats, uh, Mike, I must say. Another one is archivist. I don't know if that's the proper word, if I'm using that properly, but I, I know you archive photographs, you archive, uh, what, sheet music, all, all kinds of different things, right? Yeah, I have, you know, a huge collection of music. I started kind of with the Krupa music and whatnot, but uh, I have uh, Nelson Riddle music, Billy May music, uh, stuff from Judy Garland, Sinatra, uh, Dean Martin, Bing Crosby, Buddy Rich things. Uh, it's it's a lot of different music. Uh, some of the things are published, but uh, a lot of things I've gone out and sought and, you know, found the score and had things copied. Uh, it's all going to the uh, Library of Congress, and uh, I'm happy that they uh, they want it. So when the time comes, you can go to the Mike Berkowitz collection and uh, pull some of these charts, and hopefully someone will, and use some of this music. Do you, by any chance, I'm just guessing here, uh, have a an LP collection? Yeah, it's not as extensive as, as you know, some people. Uh, I have a lot of 78s, and I've got a lot of uh, LPs, and... Uh, uh, you know what's great is in the old days if you were looking for an album or something, you know you couldn't find it you know anywhere. Now with the internet, you know you you want something if if you want to hear something you can usually just hear it you know on YouTube or something. 
But if you want to have the actual, you know, physical album, you can usually find it pretty quickly and get it sent to your house. So that's amazing. So those kind of, uh, I don't know, albums that I always wanted, uh, obscure things, uh, kind of uh, things that were interesting to me. Uh, Nelson did an album of uh, uh, kind of tunes that he was supposed to write for a Count Basie album that didn't happen. Uh, in England, and I just got that album I found, you know, and whatnot. So I have a bunch of oddities and strangeness. Uh, huge, uh, I have a huge collection of videos, too, of uh, Sinatra in concert and hmm. Sammy Davis in concert and various people. Uh, a lot of Krupa live concert things. So uh, extensive, uh, you know, sound collection. Of, yeah, some of great people. stuff. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're we're starting to run out of time, but we're not done yet. I still got some things I got to ask. But before we go any further, I want to play something else. You mentioned Jerry Herman earlier. Uh, we did a thing called Miss Spectacular, which was a kind of a concept album that was hopefully going to be a live uh, Broadway type show that was going to play at the Wynn <laughs> uh, Hotel in Las Vegas. It never actually happened. But we did this uh, we did this album out in. Uh, Los Angeles uh, with all the cats, Chuck Berghofer and he's playing bass, and Rick Baptist and Wayne Bergeron, George Graham, uh, all you know, all those great players are on yeah. it. I'm playing drums. Uh, Gary Foster's playing uh, in the sax section. Anyhow, um, you know, it was once again all of the cream of the crop of Broadway uh, on this album. And Steve Lawrence came in to do this song called Vegas. Oh, let's play it. Steve Lawrence, Mike Berkowitz, hit it. Vegas, that great sensation where nothing is quite what it seems. Vegas, a combination of thrills and excitement and dreams. Where every ordinary civilian can turn a half a buck and a half a million. You find cares a lighter whenever they turn on those lights you won't know which is brighter the stars or the star-studded nights come find a brand new girlfriend or bring your wife las vegas will light up See an art collection and buy a spectacular jewel. Dine on a rich confection, then have a massage by the pool. There's nothing sad or sordid or seedy. You'll find romance and laughter and Steve and Edie. Come here, a brilliant lecture and dance to a cha-cha-cha band. Gape at the architecture, it's Fantasy Island on land. Forget Atlantic City or Nice or Rome, Las Vegas. Never go home. 
forget Atlantic City or Nice or Rome. You'll sit there forever just pulling that lever. Las Vegas, you'll never go home. Venturing back a little bit to IU, when you went to IU, I believe, I don't know if you were a senior and he was a freshman, something like that, another great drummer, uh, I believe you're friends with, is Jeff Hamilton. Yeah, Jeff was there, I he knew of me, I was unaware of him. My senior year, I was kind of in and out. Once I became 4F uh, with the draft, I kind of uh, faded <laughs> from the scene a little bit. But Jeff was aware of me. And over the years, uh, you know, I mean, uh, he's he's my favorite drummer. Is that uh, right? It, 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 Who swings harder, you or Jeff? You know, we both have what we call Indiana ticky boom. <laughs> there's a there's an Indiana drummer feel. John Von Olin, uh, myself. There's an Indiana Jeff, drummer feel. Yeah, Harold Jones. There is really? a there is a real. You know, you'll say there's a New Orleans kind of vibe, and there's a Chicago feel. You know, sure. croup and whatnot and, and uh, various regional things. Well, there's a definite way of playing if you're from Indiana. As Jeff says, that Indiana ticky-boom thing. Ticky-boom, we well, yeah. you've got to swing if you're going to play with Woody Herman. Yeah, you know, and, and so that's it. I, it's funny, I did a, as I mentioned, John Von Olin was, you know, a big influence and great, great player. And I did a gig uh, last year with a fantastic bass player, John Burr, who played with Tony Bennett for years and Buddy Rich. And he said, you know, for a minute I thought, you sounded like Von Olin. I said, mm. what a great compliment, man. Thank you. You know. <laughs> you know, there's a Jeff Hamilton that plays for the Dodgers, ah. strangely enough. I wonder how hard he swings, by the way. Just uh, a little, quick side know. note there. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know, another guy that I think you know that has been on this very show that I have deep admiration for as a session player, as a person, is Ronnie Zito. You mentioned him earlier. Yeah, Ronnie's a good friend, great player. Where did you meet Ronnie? Well, Ronnie... Uh, on Broadway, I think more than anything else, he, believe it or not, was my sub on Jerome Robbins' Broadway. So he would come in and, and uh, kill it. You know, he just did a great job. But, uh, you know, I always admired Ronnie's playing, the fact that he took over, you know, I think he was on the band for three years, uh, Woody's band after yeah. Jake Hanna. Uh, you know, that's that's a tough, tough spot to come in I think uh, well, he was thrown right into the fire yeah, as I think he Bill Chase just play, said play as loud as you can and as fast as yeah, you can yeah that's right play as loud like, and as fast as you can yeah you know but uh, you know Ronnie's fantastic and you know he's still uh, on Broadway doing Chicago you know and uh, the, the the musical and uh, you know he plays his, his butt off man he's a great player and uh, just a hell of a nice guy and a uh, great sense of humor and just, just a cool cat yeah. is how I describe it. Well, you know, he was just with Bobby cool. Darren and, yeah. you know, all of those things. He, he told me a story one time doing a recording session. I don't know, maybe he said this already, but the producer played this recording of Bobby Darren. He said, you know, I, 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 here's what I want it to sound like. And you sound like that. He said, yeah, well, that's me on the record. So <laughs> I think I can come pretty close. You know? <laughs> I but hadn't heard that story. When Liza Minnelli was looking for a drummer at a certain point, she asked Ronnie to come in and audition. And she kept asking Ronnie to play like Bill Lavornia, her old drummer. And Ronnie at one point said, if you want Bill Lavornia, you have to call Mike Berkowitz. Uh. So, and, then, and he walked out and then Ronnie called me and said, expect a call from Liza. Oh, wow. So, uh, so that's, you know, we, we've kind of been back and forth with each other for years. He's a marvelous guy. He is a marvelous guy. And that's a great story. 
You're a very busy guy, Mike. How have you been able to deal with COVID? Uh, how have you kept yourself busy not being well, able you know, to go Well, you know, it's weird. Play? This was a great year. I mean, I up until March 5th, I was just all over the place. And I was, after March 5th, supposed to go to uh, Toulon in France to work at the Opera House here. And I'm also supposed to be in Toulon right now uh, doing a, a show. But obviously, I'm not. Um, Somebody said to me yesterday at a thing, he said, uh, what do you do during the day? And I said, I don't know, but the hours seem to, to fly. So uh, I'm cataloging all of the music in my collection, which needs to be done. Good time for it, yeah. So I'm taking advantage of that. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, kind of Marie condoing my, my collections, and, and my, I straightened up my, uh, my studio, and I can actually find things now. Like everybody else, uh, I participate in a lot of Zoom calls. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Bosplein does one on Monday nights with uh, a few drummers, and we get together and schmooze. And uh, there's some other things. I've done a number of these podcasts, you know, uh, in Zoom kind of uh, interviews. All in all, it's uh, the time goes by quickly because there's no demarcation. You never know what day it is. Huh. So every every us, day is yeah, Wednesday. Every day is like, what is it? You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Thank God for my phone, I can figure out what day it is. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, I don't know. I Somehow I stay busy. I'm going to be 72, so I'm trying to stay as healthy as I can, you know, and, and take care of my weight. I, I lost 30 pounds, but I recently found four. Wow. Well, that's not bad. Yeah, so it's not bad. So 26 wanna, pounds. Congratulations. I, I want to get rid good. of that uh, those four pounds again. So, um, you know, that's all. I'm just uh, hanging, talking to friends. Every day I talk to a couple of drummers on the phone or back and forth. Terry Gibbs calls me uh, every well, once a month. It's Terry Gibbs? Terry Gibbs. The, the country singer? No, Terry Gibbs, the, oh. the vibest. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Because there is a country singer named uh, Terry Gibbs. Well, Terry is, uh, you know, 96 years old and, you know, just fantastic. And he's sharp as a tack. So I love when he calls, you know, and like you said, I, you know, I speak to Jeff Hamilton or uh, today I spoke to uh, a great percussionist on Broadway, Joe Pissarro, and we call and just schmooze, you know, and just uh, just laugh. That's all you can do. That's all you can do, and that's one thing musicians do well, I think. You know, I come in here to work from time to time in the clubhouse, and everybody's got the same kind of sense of humor, and you got to keep that around. Mike, thank you so much uh, for being on the show and making this podcast one of your stops. I do appreciate you coming all the way up here and uh, talking about your career today, and it's just been a true pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, you know, I hope your numbers don't go down because you're no, having me on. go down? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so, Mike. Hey, you're welcome back anytime. You're fascinating to talk to. you got great stories. Thank you again. Thank you, and stay safe. You too. And you're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Produced and engineered every week, well, every week by Rusty Johnson until recently because Rusty is off doing his own TV show and all of that. I I guess our time together is done, but we have Josie Grant as our new producer, and we're so excited about that and more about that down the road. But right now, I'd like to thank Paul Antonell and Clubhouse Studios for hosting us tonight. And please stay safe, everybody. Tomorrow's New Year's Eve. This year is almost over, and better luck in 21, and we'll see you then.